Know the Source on One Radio Network. Well, 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 very pleasant. Uh, Good morning to you. This is Patrick Timpone, and OneRadioNetwork.com is where we've landed. If you're watching on video on uh, BitChute, please subscribe to the channel, and also check out the little links to our store underneath the video. You might want to see some, you may see something there you want to purchase. That's how we support ourselves. Thanks for your ongoing support. We've been getting some new donations in because we have, so thank you for that. Our phone lines are working. Hello. Boy, uh, miracles happen. 888-663-6386. If you'd like to talk to Dr. Richard Massey this morning, 888-663-6386. The email, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. A little bit later on this morning, uh, right early afternoon, we're going to check in with Brandon Brandon Smith. He writes a great column in Alt Market. He's a cool guy. He lives up in Montana. And he's been looking into this whole ESG, which is Environmental Social Governance, which is a fancy way to say that um, we want your company to do this stuff, ESG it's called, and get all woked up, otherwise we'll uh, throw tomatoes at your house at night or whatever they do. But, but what's curious about it, we know about ESG, but where do you see the, the motives behind this, who's behind it and what it's all about, and Brandon knows where the bodies are buried. So we're going to do that a little bit later. Uh, Adam Bergstrom on uh, Adam 2.0 on Wednesday. We have a temp- temporary thing. I think John Paul Lionel is going to be here tomorrow at 10. If not, um, we got a couple other people on the bullpen waiting to go on. So we have a lot a good week for you. Thanks for being here. It's going to be, well, I don't know if it, let's just introduce Dr. Massey first and then we'll talk about it. Dr. Richard Massey is on the third Monday of each month. He's a, uh, a medical doc. We don't hold that against him. We normally don't let MDs on the show, but he's a rare exception. <laughs> and uh, he's, he, uh, he's in Austin. And he works with patients on a recall healing and family constellation and does some blood things. Dr. Massey, welcome. Thanks for being on the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm well this morning, Patrick, and yourself? Well, just finer than frogs here. I see by the weather mavens, it's going to be over 100 degrees. Did you see that? Here. Yeah, I think I can already begin to feel it. Um, yeah, it's really something when the when the spring disappears. We had such a great, uh, generous spring. Yeah, yeah, a lot of rain. We did get cool mornings. You know, keep the windows open at night, and it was really I enjoyed it a lot. So I looked at the ten day thing. I normally don't buy into what anybody else does in my life, but you know, you look and it says hundred degree <laughs> hundred degrees for ten days. You know, like okay, okay, yeah, good, good, good. You know, I have a feeling, I've always thought this about weather, that since we're all connected to everything, right? We're all connected to the clouds and the, and the air and the angels and the water and everything. So do you, maybe over the years that we've all bought into um, whatever, whatever the weather is at the moment and then really get into it and don't like it and just kind of keep it around. You know, the, you know what I mean? Hanging around the fence going... Well, here we are with another hot, you know, it's going to be 
hot for the next 30 days. What are we going to do? Now, what if you have everybody thinking that? Do you think it's going to be hot for the next 30 days? That's what I think. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's some connection there. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the rain angels are up there. They go, well, he's died. Dudes don't want any. Oh, okay. Well, we'll go somewhere else. <laughs> so many flowers came up this year. Yeah. Did you guys have a lot of nice flowers? Huh? Yeah. So today is Juneteenth, right? What is Juneteenth? What are, you, you, you're yes, kinda, it, it is. You kind of know about this stuff. Tell us what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, uh, I got the uh, my T-shirt there from the the tightrope. It's the podcast that uh, Cornell West and Trisha Rose uh, had, and uh, I'll, I'll bring it up closer. Okay. Cornell West, one of my favorite people to listen to. He is running for president. Yeah. Uh, he announced on Russell Brand's show, and uh, Cornell is all is almost smart. He graduated magna cum laude from Harvard in three years. Um, wow. He's been a tenured professor, and like like me, in a way, Harvard kicked him out later when he began to say unpopular things. Um, What's his which name? Which is unheard of. What? Uh, Cornell? Cornell West. Mm-hmm. I'll check him out. What kind of unpopular he, things would he say? Uh, he kind of likes to just share the facts about what's going on in the world. Um, like... Um, when Palestinian people are killed, he will say the politically unpopular things like, uh, you know, killing anybody is is still killing. And uh, you can take a side if you want to and make somebody against your side. Um, making a policy of killing certain peoples is, uh, he just, uh, is very outspoken about that and yeah. calls it calls it the way he sees it and kind of puts the facts out there. When Obama was president, he didn't hesitate to point out uh, all the people who were killed during the Obama administration. He didn't back off because Obama was an African American man, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, I like that uh, he's going to get heard a bit more. You know, he has. He's got. He's a gospel guy. He starts out. He starts out his talks by saying, "The only reason I'm here is because somebody loved me." Oh. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Ida and Clifton West. That's the name of his parents. Mm-hmm. So he acknowledges his parents right off the bat. And uh, his T-shirt says, says, "Stay strong, stay fortified, and stay on the tightrope." You know, just keep walking that that line there, you know? So I always like listening to Cornell. Um, and so Juneteenth um, was the day that it was announced in Galveston, Texas. Uh, you know, the Confederate state of Texas was the furthest Western state. And so even though the Emancipation Proclamation happened back in 1863, the Confederates were still in control of Texas until the troops from the Union came in in 1865 and announced that now you guys have been emancipated for a couple of years now, and so we're here to make sure you get to hear about that. So Juneteenth is the day that uh, 
the people in Texas finally heard. They were not slaves anymore. Oh, and it wasn't until that day, so that's why they celebrate celebrate that. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so that's Juneteenth. And uh, it's a national holiday and uh, in the African-American community, it's considered the second Independence Day. I lost my earphone in the thing. Well, that's a nice holiday. That's Now it's a federal holiday now, so the, the bankers mm-hmm. get off. Bankers always get off. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we are. <laughs> that reminds me of that movie, Nothing But Trouble. And uh, it's kind of a cult classic. Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, John Candy. And uh, it's about a little town in Pennsylvania that's really just a glorified speed trap. And and Chevy's driving too fast and they pull him over and they're going to give him the business. And the judge says, I'd never let a banker go. (laughs) You know, know what bankers did to this town, you know, and uh, it's yes. You you were telling me before the show that there was a fellow that actually was um, a mayor, a black fellow was a mayor back in the 1800s? So my my great-grandmother, Mary Catherine Lofton, was born in Mississippi in 1869. And the governor of the great state of Mississippi in 1869 was an African-American man. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. There were members of the Senate and Congress back then who were African-American. And then there was the Jim Crow era that came in response to that and the Ku Klux Klan and all that to scare African-Americans from voting, not just scare them, <laughs> kill them. They really and, did. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then so then it all changed back to all old crusty white people um, in office. So. Yeah, but that was surprising to me. That was, I think that was left out in my history books in uh, high school and college. That, uh, you know, they called Mississippi the heart of darkness during the civil rights days. Really? The heart of bar- darkness? Yeah, the heart of darkness. You know, uh, Joan Trumpower, the white activist, she was like 19 or 20, I think. Um, when they didn't let James Meredith in the University of Mississippi, you probably remember all that, and they had to get federal troops to, yep, yep. you know, you know, do all that. Well, she went and enrolled in Tougaloo College in Mississippi, which is an all-black institution. So she did that as a statement uh, and became the only white student there. And she went on the Freedom Rides in the bus. <clears throat> And when they went through Mississippi, not only was the bus stopped and they were arrested, they were put on death row Wow! for riding a bus uh, across the state of Mississippi for purposes of civil rights. Uh, and it was, they, it was just to scare them. Um, I, I think everybody knew they didn't have the authority to actually put them to death. Mm-hmm. They wanted them to feel like they did. Um, I remember watching the whole thing with Kennedy and George Wallace and all that when I was a youngster. 
pretty amazing yeah. when you think about it. That was going on where hosing down people and just because of the color of their skin and, you know, what, 50 years ago? It's crazy mm-hmm. when you think about it. Isn't it? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In 2018, I took that trip out to Montgomery and went to the lynching memorial and the Equal Justice Museum. And I recommend that to anybody who's interested in and the big museums in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, quite impressive. They have one for the Native American history and mm-hmm. one for African American history. And I mean, somebody put a lot of money and time into those. It's impressive. It, it takes more than a day to go through it. I'll be done. Hmm. You like that kind of stuff, don't you? That historical. You know, I have a I have a history there. You know because of the family and I, I didn't find out till 2017 that I'm a descendant of slave owners and uh, Brian Stevenson who started that Equal Justice Museum wrote that book called Just Mercy mm-hmm. and he talked about his cases as a lawyer uh, trying to stop discrimination in the courts and on death row specifically um, very powerful and going through that museum was a life-changing experience they actually have holograms of slaves locked up behind bars that speak to you as soon as you look between the bars really a hologram yeah uh-huh and and they tell their stories of being separated from their babies and Mm -hmm. all the other things that happened and and there's not one word of blame in the entire place. Uh, so you don't get that, that that energy of no the white guys with the bad guys and blah blah and all that right. stuff. Yeah. There's none of that there. There's no blame in there, you know. And <clears throat> the beauty of it is, he said he just knows that it's important for descendants of slave owners and descendants of slaves to have a new conversation. If we're going to move forward, we have to have a new conversation. It can't be based on accusations of what happened in the past. Right. Um, but the facts have to be acknowledged. Right. If we don't acknowledge the facts, we can't go anywhere, you know. Um, so the facts are there, you know. And <clears throat> when you get down to it, when you look at this <clears throat> supposed Emancipation Proclamation and the 13th Amendment, it actually did not abolish slavery in the United States. Right, yes. <clears throat> That's what I understand. It, mm. No, it didn't. It said it abolished slavery except for those who were convicted of a crime. So if you're convicted of a crime, you can lawfully be enslaved in the United States of America. And John Ehrlichman's quote was up there that Richard Nixon's war on drugs was mainly a way to recruit young blacks into slavery through the penal system. Well, Ehrlichman said that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The quote is up there on the wall in the equal justice place. That Nixon, this whole uh, war on drugs. The whole war on drugs. Was to put. Recruit young black males into slavery via the penal system. Because it's a loophole in the law, big one, that if you're convicted of a crime, you can be enslaved. That's according to the Constitution. It's still in there uh, like that? It's still in there like that. And 
the question underneath it as you walk through there is, do you think this should be changed? And they just leave it as a question. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was in, that was a shock the first time I saw that. I in in my school we were told that boy we abolished slavery we did all this great stuff and then you find out nah a bunch of lawyers found a way around that and and uh, they were forcing people to do labor in prison for no money over you know smoking a joint or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, to find out that, that that was an actual official strategy of the Nixon administration. That's and very interesting. Post. Yeah, Doc Massey, mm-hmm. I've always uh, kind of had this idea that when you do a war against something, it's, it's usually going to go the opposite way, right? The war on drugs, it's the, design, war on, yeah. uh, the war on poverty, the, whatever, the war, sure. on, the war on terror. I mean, it's, it just makes it worse, right? It just makes it worse. Yeah, and it's designed to increase commerce. Increase commerce. That's the idea. Uh-huh. So if I'm the guy who's getting a billion-dollar check in the mailbox every day because I'm in arms dealing, then any war, any dispute, any polarity is going to increase commerce for me. And since I'm in charge of the economics of the world, um, that's kind of how it goes. I, I think I remember showing you that form that I got off done in Bradstreet, my friend Ben Taylor from Utopia, Utopia Silver. He's on Dun and Bradstreet as a business. And back in 2008, when all that was going down with the Texas Medical Board and me, he said, well, let's look up the Texas Medical Board on Dun and Bradstreet. I said, Ben, come on, that's for businesses. I mean, this is government. This is sacred, holy government. You know, it's not a business. He said, well, let's look and see. So we looked on Dun and Bradstreet and imagine what we found for the Texas Medical Board. They are a sole proprietorship for-profit corporation. They don't care anything about your health or my health. Their mission is the regulation of commerce in the area of health care. So everything, sadly, in our world is about commerce. Yes. And which way is the commerce going? Mm-hmm. Is it going away from me or toward me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's all this squealing about that. Um, and uh, it's been around a long time. When I went through the last Indian raid museum in Kansas, so I was driving up to South Dakota for a Sundance ceremony. And that's the sacred Native American ceremony where they spend the first four days of their New Year's getting drunk and doing fireworks. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> they don't do that. Uh, so the first four days of their, their New Year, they fast, they pray, they dance, and they sing. And they do it for the village, mainly for the children, but they do it for everyone in the village. So I'm on the way up to South Dakota and I'm going through Kansas. I believe it was in Oberlin, Kansas. And a sign was up there. It said the last Indian raid museum. And I had a little extra time. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go in and check this out. So I walked in there and the whole thing, Patrick, you wouldn't believe it. It was about the last Indian raid and this terrible, horrible stuff had happened where these poor Native Americans had been 
forced on this long march out of their territory, some faraway place. And a few of them escaped and got loose. And on the way back, they actually killed a few people so they could get a horse and get some food and all that, um, which we don't condone any of that. There was a six or nine minute video that a person could watch over in a corner on a little TV about what happened, what the horrible things that happened to the Native Americans. The rest of the museum, not kidding, room after room after room was white people's saddles and farm equipment and exactly how much they petitioned the federal government to reimburse them because these savages ruined their saddle. Um, the whole thing was about commerce. <laughs> there was no humanity in it at all, except for this one little TV over in the corner. You could push this button and watch the human side of the story, which was a tragic misunderstanding. Um, but the whole thing was commerce. That was the last, in look, it cost me $9.75, you know, and it had the official letters that they sent in to the government room after room of that. Um, and I just looked at the lady, you know, and, and she, she actually became apologetic. I told her I was going up for a Sundance and she just was so sorry. She said that, I oh, know that's all we have on the Indian side of it. The rest of it is about the uh, settler's property and getting reimbursed. So I was wearing my Save Soil shirt today, you know, and <laughs> Save, my our save Soil, soil hat. <laughs> and so the idea is you can get on uh, on the internet and become an Earth Buddy and do Save Soil. Let me read this on the back here, but it's a the idea there is to shift the direction of commerce as related to our environment and our food. Uh, 80 countries have already signed up and the government is actually paying farmers to increase the diversity of microorganisms in their soil. Which government? A lot of governments? 80 of them. 80 countries have already signed on. Really? United States one? No. <laughs> and our soil is almost scientifically classified as desert. Yeah. Which is why we import most of our food. So, so it's the direction of commerce. So right now, commerce is going in the direction of chemical agriculture. Yes. And as you pointed out earlier, there are a lot of groups that fight against that, which just increases the commerce. So what Conscious Planet is doing is they're saying, once we get a law that the government is paying farmers to increase biodiversity in the soil, then you, there's no fight against anybody. The chemical industry will drop off because the commerce will be going in a different direction. It'll be going in the direction of diversity of organisms, which you cannot have if you're using chemicals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you don't have to be in a war with Monsanto or Bayer or whoever's out there. That doesn't work, right? Right. So we're, you know, something cooperative could actually happen. So 80 countries have already signed on. We'll probably be eating their food in the future uh, 
unless we decide to sign on and uh, rejuvenate our soil. When we do that, it takes less water to irrigate and the organisms pull carbon waste out of the air. Amazing. Mm. Just amazing. It cleans the air and cleans the water and makes more nutritious food. So, is that, um, and the uh, website is Save Our Soil? Save Our Soil? Yes, Save Soil. You can get on Conscious Planet, Save Soil. Okay. And, and become what's called an Earth Buddy. And of course, like most things, I didn't read all the stuff. I just signed up to be an Earth Buddy. Sure. I I went somewhere to to, to rent a <clears throat> hotel room. My <clears throat> great grandson uh, was born on May thirty first, and he's in the intensive care unit there in San Antonio. So I go over there and to rent a room and to get some kind of points or something. They said you have to agree to these terms. <clears throat> I think it was five or six pages, and I'm thinking, I came here to see my great-grandson. I didn't come here to learn the legal ease of your organization, so I'm going to forfeit my points mm-hmm. and uh, and just rent the room. Um, so I didn't read all the Conscious Planet stuff either, but I like them as an organization. I like what they do. Um and hopefully we'll have uh, Conscious Planet people helping us have more nutritious food because when we do that, then a whole lot of health problems just kind of disappear. Now, that has a huge effect on commerce because our society, the number one commerce in our society and around the globe right now is pharmaceuticals. Yes, sir. Healthcare. It's, it's past the arms and, you know, uh, defense budget and all that. So um, it's strange that taking care of the earth would actually disturb some people's sense of proper flow of commerce. But I think they'll come around when they eat more nutritious food. That's what I think. I think so. I think you're right there. Yeah. Uh, Andy, I don't have the exact story, but I'm going to get a close Andrew Goss taught us that over the years that the Civil War was really about commerce. It wasn't about the slavery thing. That's what they teach you in school. You know, People weren't willing to go to war because they were slaves. It's just not true. It's a good story, but it's not true. It was, it was about commerce, and uh, as I understand, I may have this wrong, so just give me a little leeway, um, <clears throat> that the people in the South wanted to buy these, these, uh, all this equipment to do the cotton and all their stuff from, I think, somebody else in Europe. And the North wanted to buy, wanted them to buy their stuff from them or force them to buy their stuff, something like that. I, it's close. But that's what it was about. The original fight was about who you could buy your stuff from to survive. Commerce. Yeah. Yeah, because they used to sell slaves right there in the middle of Central Park or the central part of New York City. Sure, yeah. You know, if you watch that Netflix special, Who We Are in America by Jeffrey Robinson, you'll see where he walks right to that spot. And and uh, the North actually financed the slavery. Hmm. Uh, banks in New York financed it. Mm-hmm. And they actually, in New York City... Uh, 
and uh, I'm, I'm guessing other places up north, you could lease a slave for a day. Hmm. So you'd meet at this place, and if you needed a slave for a day, you could just pay for a slave for a day. And um, yeah, so the north-south thing, I, I don't know. There's a lot of distortion around it. In, in my family, though, I remember as a small child when the topic came up once at the house, I felt a visceral reaction in my body, like it was a topic that was not yet put to rest in my family. Yeah, you had and that. I didn't family. know why. Yeah. yeah. Andrew also taught us that there, I don't know if I'm going to get the family right, um, some rich family had two sons, and one of the sons financed the North, and the other son financed the, the South. Um, maybe J.P. Morgan? I don't know. It was a, the, the name is escaping me. Um, yeah, and if we go back into biology here, which is kind of why I, I come on, you know, um, our biology only exists because of intense polarities in the body and they're polarities that are alive they are an expression of life um, and it's not about a war it's about how polarities can actually move in a way that creates this experience uh, this physical experience that actually in its deepest nature is a joyful or blissful state. Um, so there's a way to be with intense polarities and actually be not only at peace, but be blissful. That's, that's what the human body shows us. So um, letting go of the idea of separateness and having a love story kind of thing is what you're saying, like you talk about? Yeah, so every every cell in the body has got this electrical polarity going on. That like the nerve, the nerve cells are all doing it. The heart cells are doing it, positive to negative, positive to negative. All this movement um, going from polarity to union and back to polarity again, just over and over and over to create a sense of bliss, a physical experience of pleasantness a physical experience of bliss that's that's the original mm. design of polarity um, not to have people clash and shed blood mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah. so there's a movement to go back to that original design and appreciate it yeah yeah, you know, that helps me often in my contemplations is just to contemplate. I know I just think about it and imagine it, the idea that I'm not separate from anybody or anything and God is just one blob. And you can really you can really contemplate on that and think about it and feel that. And it feels just great because it's true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, that's the way I, I, yeah. I, I do. I work with that a lot when I'm going to sleep or... Because um, otherwise... As you're saying, there's always, oftentimes when we have a body, there's this dynamic tension that wants to, right? That wants to tell us that you got to fight against something, or I don't like this, or I do like this, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. 
Yes. Which is the so illusion, watching, right? Which is the illusion. Yes. Yeah, I'm watching my great-grandson, you know, and he was born with this condition called Tetralogy of Fallot, which is four heart defects. Hmm. Um, that if somebody doesn't intervene within hours of birth, they die. They become a stillbirth. And so he's on a continuous infusion of this medicine until they can place a stent. Wow. Uh, and keep this little bypass pathway open. And I, I watch how his, how the care happens. And I bow to this technology, Patrick. I tell you, I've never seen anything like it. Mm. Uh, the amount of love and technological care that's going into keeping him alive is amazing. I, my last time in the ICU as a doctor was 26 years ago. And boy, there's been some advancements since then. Uh, in the area of technology, and it's beautiful to see. But arrhythmias in the body, skipped heartbeats. A lot of people have skipped heartbeats. And the story of that is my love is chopped up. It's There's interruptions in my love. Hmm. And I remember in this country, we were taught that. Our parents were taught to interrupt our love. So for biology, if you read that continuum concept, indigenous people keep babies physically against their body. They wrap them onto their bodies. You can still see women doing that at Casa de Luz here in Austin. Uh, so that's coming back, you know. Hmm. Um, and it turns out that for biology, if the skin of the baby is not against the skin of the mother, the mother's nervous system is in a state of alarm. Now, in our culture, we're trained not to notice that. But the baby expresses the alarm for the mother and lays in its bed and cries all by itself. And the doctors would say, oh, just let them cry. They'll cry themselves to sleep. And mm -hmm. then three or four hours later, you can go in and feed them. But keep them on a schedule. It's important. And very kind of military, like you keep them on the schedule and uh, don't go in there and be affectionate. Don't touch them, you know, because then they'll be in control of you or whatever, whatever kind of things we told ourselves right. in this culture. And we have a lot of skip beats in this culture. And I was just putting that together as I was watching the babies in the yeah. NICU, you know, the uh, inevitable interruptions in the caretaking that has to happen. Um, and it happened in our culture because women were taught that about their babies, their yeah. trusted medical authorities. Trusted medical uh, authorities, yeah. Yeah, well, told, told them, no, no, you just let that baby cry it out. And that's the way to do it. I've, I've noticed a dear friend of mine since the 70s and um, very close to him and he I think they had three children and from the very beginning I noticed that he knew this instinctively even more so than the but he taught the wife pretty quickly that when they babies want something you know give it to them pick them up touch them hold them and um, I, I really watched that and I, I, I thought at the time well he's just going to spoil these kids or something like that I had some weird idea you know you, know, you should just yeah, let them cry yeah. I, I can remember me going through this in my mind 
and yeah. uh, are in my heart. And these kids are the most coolest, sweetest, together, um, you know, rock and roll kids ever. Just, you know, they don't, they're not spoiled at all. They're very personal responsibility, everything. And I, I think about yeah. that. But he knew that, you know, yeah. he knew. So, so doctors actually tell moms that you should just let them cry it out and stuff like that, really? Yeah, yeah. Only feed them on a schedule, you know. And, uh, and the thing we get backwards that recall healing, Jobert kind of helped me see this, is that the baby isn't upset because it's upset. Hmm. The baby's upset because it can feel what the mother refuses to feel. Wow. Refuses the mother's to feel. not even aware that she's upset. Wow. The mother's not even consciously aware that she's so upset about being separated from her little one. And the little one's completely aware and, and screams on her behalf. So let me see if I understand. So the mom subconsciously is not happy because she's separated from the baby, but she she, yeah. she doesn't express that. She doesn't even know what's happening. Oh, she's, she's not even knowing it's happening. So the no. little baby will, will cry to say, well, pick me up, mom, and you're going to feel better. Yeah, the baby's saving the mother. <laughs> well, I really love that. Yeah, yeah, you look in nature. I mean, when a lion leaves her cubs, Boy, that's a big deal, you know, mm-hmm. and that mother feels it. She makes all the arrangements to make it as safe as possible. But in biology, a woman's nervous system cries out to be in contact with their baby. Wow. It's just not happy if their skin is not touching. And then then you could look at this whole movement about women's rights and equal rights going back to the 60s and you know, the, Sh- the Schlafly's and all these people convincing moms that, you know, motherhood is, you know, it's not going to get it. You really got to go out and be somebody. You know, probably the opposite of what the truth is. <laughs> probably the opposite. Yeah, gosh. Now all we have to do is talk about sex and religion. I think we will have covered about it. I every think so, you know. That's right. Today, you know. Yeah. Google and YouTube will get all the text they need to just censor us. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, man. Dr. Richard Massey is with us. Stay right there. This is Patrick Timpone. If you'd like to join the show, you can call 888-663-6386. Email patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Last week, we were fortunate to sell a couple of saunas and one was to Netherlands, and the other one was to Australia. And we shipped them all over the world, all over the world. And this might be a reason why you want to get a sauna from us, and we'll tell you how to get it after we hear Dr. Minkoff. Recently, we talked with Dr. David Minkoff, MD, about his patients and toxins. We test them for environmental toxins, and we look at their teeth, and we look at their diet, and we do a look at their gut, and and they're loaded. It is a radical 360 assault on our bodies, what we're living in today in terms of our environment. It's remarkable what you find on people, how much stuff they've accumulated. You know, they need to get in the sauna uh, three or four times a week, and they need to filter the, the water systems in the United States 
are full of environmental toxins. I know when we talked to Dr. Rowe, he was a big fan of these far infrared saunas and getting the sweat out. And he used to test the sweat and everything. Do you do that, a far infrared? And then you, what kind of saunas do you do? I have them get, there's some pretty economical, really good portable saunas that people can get. And I think it's it's like mandatory. If you're living on planet Earth now, you better get a sauna three times a week for half an hour and really sweat because you're, no matter how careful you are, you're getting full of stuff that you don't want in your body that are toxic and carcinogenic. Yes, we've been promoting and using for years, uh, 10 years now, the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. It's a portable uh, about a thousand They're really nice units boy they they get hot and boy you sweat and it's it's great great unit yeah oh you've seen those yeah yes they are okay patrick i'm going to interrupt you for a second and um tell folks how to get one of these pumpkins the only way to get the best price ever which is 12.95 in the lower 48 is email me patrick at one radionetwork.com I need to I need to relocate that audio we we found from a PhD dude scientific type guy and he was talking about the the lowering of the cardiac events huge study and the more saunas you did seriously the lower the cardiac events happened. Yeah, I'll play it for you. Maybe I can even find it this morning. It's fascinating. Big study. I think it was Finland. The more times you got in the sauna, the more all of the markers and stuff for cardiac stuff happened. So Mr. Hart really likes to be in these saunas. Um, So this is a great investment for your health. If you'd like to get one, simply email me, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. And wherever you live, just tell me city, state, country, zip code, and I'll give you uh, the best price. But in the United States, it's uh, $1,295. So it's, these are really nice. You'll like it. I'm in mine every day. Every, every day. Here's a short explanation how this product, Pearlseum, works with our teeth from Dr. Rulin Zhu. So basically, when you brush your teeth with the pearl, make your existing teeth stronger and also filling up because our teeth is being harmed every, every day by what we eat, can become porous or uh, weak, even loose part of the bones. So when you brush teeth with the porcium, and the pearl powder will stimulate the new bone growth and also make the existing teeth very strong. So it's actually stimulating new growth on the teeth in a natural way and not painting mm-hmm. something over it? It is very natural. It's making existing teeth stronger. New growth of the bone, it is very beautiful color. You know, it's kind of like a pearl. It's, yeah. And especially the pearl, it's a crystal. And so when you grow the bone, it's the most healthy way. Yeah, we love this product. Give it a try if you'd like. Click on the Pearl CM ad on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. We have it set up to go to the two container where you get a nice discount. But if you only want one to start, just click over to the single bottle and get that one. It's the Pearl CM. 
the ad right on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. Just a little quick thing. We'll be back to Dr. Massey in a sec. But if you would like to explore the technology that we've been doing for nearly four years now, it's molecular hydrogen. We think we have the best machine ever. It's called Holy Hydrogen or the Lord's model. Check it out on the front page, OneRadioNetwork.com and learn about it. And you can use promo code OneRadio to get it. Oh, this quick reminder too, this comes up from time to time. We really appreciate your support in the way that we uh, make our little business model work, even though video did kill the radio star, just like the the song, um, is please click on the things that you want, the products we talk from our website. Don't go directly to the the website. Some people do that, and then we don't get a commission because they don't know how you found out. Makes sense, yeah. So, please go through our website, and because you can't get a better price through them, people, a lot of people think you can. How come that's not working? Broadcasting live weekday mornings. This is listener supported One Radio Network. Dr. Richard Massey in green. You look like a farmer. I like your hat and everything. It's just pretty. I know, I know. I got to show a, a, a little picture of the little one here. Oh, can my God. See that? There he is. Oh, this there. is your nephew? This is my great-grandson. Great-grandson. This is the one with the little heart thing going on, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's his little monitor thing there on his head. I want to get a one of the photos to show you all the stuff that's kind of keeping him going here. Um, so this is one of them here. You can get some idea of oh all my the goodness. This is all the machinery. This is a room in a hospital. Yeah, that's in uh, San Antonio, Texas, Christus Children's Hospital. My goodness. Um, so he's gonna he's gonna do okay. He's gonna make it. You know. It, Everything uh, is is stable right now, and uh, they're planning on putting in a stent. Um, I can tell you a little bit about the recall healing part of it, but only the part that comes through me, because I'm not authorized to really say other things about other people in the family. Right. Um, but we could get into that. Um, we can also do some basic recall healing for anybody out there who's who's listening. Um, and uh, so for everybody out there who's listening, if you take the age you are right now, okay. today, okay. I know Patrick Patrick was 46 years old, but yeah. so whatever age you are today, <laughs> uh, your biology is replaying half your age what happened at half your age is replaying it like a movie. So you can see uh, for anybody if that makes any sense. So you divide your current, what we call the age. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't give me yeah, started. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> the number divided by two. And then we, I know, right? Yeah. And then it's we could hard. be replaying yeah. a lot of stuff. I don't even know how old I <laughs> My, I don't even know my number. I gotta, I gotta subtract it. Seriously, 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's okay. You've already you've I, already uh, I, ascended I beyond this. Past that yeah, stuff. but those of us who are still in the biology world sometimes, yeah. Um, yeah, I, we can look at what happened at half our age, and the same unreconciled feelings will come back and manifest, and they're they're looking to be reconciled, basically. And what does that mean, uh, reconcile? Reconcile. So. If I look at the feelings that caused me that I felt compelled to make certain decisions mm -hmm. that were hurtful to myself or others at half my age or were related to some quote illness, if I can find a way to get in touch with those feelings and then do a releasing procedure so that those feelings release me then there's something about me that becomes healthier, more whole, less fragmented. Um, so, for instance, in Tetralogy of Fallot, this would be a part that is just about me. So, I'm a great-grandfather now of this little one. Well, my great-grandfather was a large imposing violent alcoholic man hmm. and the answer for me or him was to have celiac disease so that I could never be large and imposing I could never beat somebody to death because I don't have the strength to do it um, and so biology tries to answer anything that creates a suffering that cannot be expressed. So his children could not express their suffering about it or they would get beat up again. Mm. So there's all these um, feelings that never get expressed and they ferment, they kind of rot in the system. And when that is going on, unless something comes in to help those feelings move through in a good way, the bodies of the descendants will be trying to be answers for that suffering. Like, I'm not going to be big enough to hit somebody so hard that they die. So that's what celiac disease does for me. It makes it to where no matter how hard I work out or whatever, I'll never have big muscles. Uh, I'll never be a big imposing guy. But I still had rage. And I still hurt people with rage hmm. when I was a young married man, hmm. right? Just screaming and hurting people. And that suffering was never processed. It just was pushed aside. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to revisit that. And so now we have a baby born, and this is literally true. If he gets too upset, he will die. Because of the way the circulation in the heart is, if he gets too upset, his body will physically die. So it's an answer for the trauma in the family that's been going on for eight generations now that 
there's a, a projection of my suffering onto those who are helpless and can't get away, namely my children. There's a projection of my suffering onto them. They have to stuff those feelings. They have to hurt because I'm spewing. So what's an answer for that? What's a balancing answer for that? To create a biology where the person who's spewing dies, where the person who's spewing gets to feel the effect of their own emotions. And it doesn't continue this pattern of the big ones spew onto the little ones. And my place here is to tell him he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to be an answer for that, right? In order to authentically do that, this last two weeks has been a time of me on purpose remembering why I behave that way. It has not been a pleasant experience. Um, I, I put on my M wave, I journal about it, I tell people about it, I do constellations. Um, to go back into those feelings, like why would any human scream at their children? And the feeling underneath that is what I need to get in touch with and process it and tell him it's not his place to be the answer for the feelings that I wanted to suppress and ignore. Um, so that's been my part. And I spend time up there with him hmm. and I tell those things and uh, I recite his family tree to him in a little song and tell him that everybody in the family tree loves him um, and that he has the blessing of everyone's heart to finish the development of his heart. He doesn't have to keep that hole in his heart. Uh, he can make his blood vessels normal and all of that. And so um, it's been an intense two weeks. Wow. Yeah. So do you have this conversation then with the parents? Or I, you know, my granddaughter is actually happy. She's a happy person. Mm -hmm. uh, when I told her the other day that most of my life had been a life of inner torment, the look on her face, she really, she couldn't, she didn't even know what that meant. She said, gosh, I just wake up happy every day. And I thought, you know, that's amazing. And, uh, I don't have her permission to show photos, but I, I took one the other day of her and her man and the baby. And honestly, Patrick, they're happy together. Hmm. I, I don't ever remember feeling that way. Um, they're genuinely relaxed and happy with each other. They're not antsy to go get away from each other and do something else. They can just be with each other, relaxed and happy about that. And that's like, wow, wow. really? Hmm. I mean, that's amazing, hmm. right? So I, because she's done constellations, I tell her the dynamics that I see. I told her one the other day, and it knocked her body back from her lunch. 
we were sitting and having lunch and I'd seen this insight about it and a certain family story that I won't mention. And when I told her that connection, she felt it so strongly in her body that it actually knocked her back from her lunch. It took her a little while to recompose herself. Wow. Uh, and my task is to let this little one know it's not his place to carry that. That's my task. And I'm so grateful to Jobert Renault. So I would not know this if it were not for him. I wouldn't know that people could say things to little ones and actually change their biology. You're not changing it. They're changing it because they understand. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm taking responsibility for my part. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm saying my part in this whole scheme is you don't need to try to be an answer for my part. You're not my therapist, right? Mm -hmm. This is, this is for me to, to wrestle with and be with. And my desire is to see you be whole and healthy. Yeah. Mm. And somewhere in that transaction, good things happen. Good things happen. Dr. Richard yeah. Massey is with us. Care to join us? You can call 888-663-6386. You are grateful the phone lines are working again after our freeze apocalypse. And email Patrick, One Radio Network. Here's an email from Scott up in Washington State. Uh, Patrick, thanks for your show. Always love when Dr. Massey comes on. I'm curious about the division of physical and emotional health. Many times you have emails asking for advice, physical and or emotional, and you address them based on the way the question is asked. How do you determine whether it addresses the question with some type medical treatment, natural or pharmaceutical, or as you often point in to recall healing our family constellations. So my condition of thyroid, do I seek recall, recall healing or family constellation or continue with thyroid medication? I, you understand that? I think well, we hear where he's yeah, coming from, right? So, and I, I don't have my little Klinghart's five levels chart next to me. Um, but Dietrich was really good at organizing information. Um, and he talked about the levels of healing. And I'm thinking that's right over here in this little pile. Walk over here and see if I can find this. And this is one of the first things that I go over with people when we have a private session is and you can find this online um this is uh, clean hearts five levels and it's designed for exactly the question that you sent in scott so thank you very much um and so what dietrich discovered was is that so down here on level one if i've got a thyroid issue and i take some natural thyroid or thyroid medication and I go back into balance and I'm happy, and, you know, I can pretty much call that a day and just go on with my life. 
But if I'm taking this medication and it has a side effect or it's only partially effective, then I might want to go up and look at level two and uh, just see here. Is there anything on level two that uh, could offer me some help? So I'll give you an example. There was a woman like that who came to see me years ago. And so one of the things we did that I learned from Dr. Klinghart is I took a homeopathic uh, thyroid from Germany and injected it right into the ganglion that controls her thyroid gland. Hmm. And for months at a time, she would not need any medication and she felt better even than when she was on the medication. And it was a simple little shot. It didn't even hurt. I mixed it with numbing medicine. She would come in, we'd do it. She was good to go. So what Klinghart discovered in his clinical experience is if I find a remedy on level two, it's 10 times more effective than level one. And it's only one tenth of the cost. So big advantage there. So if I can find a level two remedy, that's, that's a good thing. Acupuncture would be at the level two, level three interface there. So, okay. So now let's suppose that that doesn't work. So we tried the medicine, we tried the thyroid ganglion block. So now we go up to level three, which is about a person's personal timelines. What's happened in this person's life around the, issues of timing and injustice. Those are the two themes for the thyroid. So let's say that when this started in this person, they got disinherited or uh, their neighbor got the better of them in some legal battle and it was unfair, right? So we go back in there at level three and change the person's perception around the story, even though we can't change the facts. And when we change the perception around the injustice, the thyroid can function normally again. Hmm. Now we don't even need the homeopathic remedy injected into the ganglion and we don't need the thyroid medicine either. So it's way more effective than both of those. And once you've shifted the perception, there's no ongoing cost, right? Now, let's say we don't have a story like that. We set up a family constellation and we find a story of injustice that comes down as a limiting belief that this injustice must be corrected. And Scott is the one whose body inherited this. He carries this part of the family story. So if you set up a constellation and that gets reconciled, then all of that below, you don't need any of that. So. So you can go from the top up, so to speak, and you don't need anything else. If you. Right. uh, Yeah. And if you get, as Byron Katie says, if you get to the place where you see that everything is God, you don't need anything on any of those levels, you know, really for a remedy. Uh, you see that the thyroid imbalance is God, just like the thyroid balance is God. And when a person really gets that, the thyroid behaves itself uh, it just does. in a balanced yeah. way. It just, it just does. It just does. You know, mm. and so 
but you know, I'm with Scott. I mean, if I can find a physical remedy for something and I can afford it and I feel good. Yeah. This last couple of weeks, for instance, going through this emotional digging back up in there and finding out, you know, what emotion do I need to take responsibility for so that my great grandson body doesn't have to carry it. Um, it's, it's not pleasant work. I tell people don't do recall healing or constellations unless you're really unhappy about something. I mean, if you're happy, take your medicine, go on in life, you know, and be happy. Uh, but wouldn't, but there are other, let things. me just, uh, wouldn't, uh, yeah. it serve the purpose, um, rather than just take the medicine and be happy and just get out of your comfort zone and dig in. I mean, wouldn't somebody, uh, grow spiritually that way, and that would be a good thing because they're... Well, gosh, Patrick, I mean, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to subvert America here with <laughs> grow spiritually? I mean, come on. Uh, that's not what we're here for. We're here I, to, uh, well, you know, I just get carried away. got to build, you know, build the empire and be as happy as possible while we're doing it. Uh, yeah, and remember, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so I'm thinking, you know, if I'm happy, you just take the medicine and keep that's going. Right. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. And and because of that, my descendants have carried things for me mm -hmm. because of that very attitude. Oh, so, I yes, see. You're, so wait, only, wait a minute. Cause, yeah. uh, so if you were to clean things up more, but then wasn't, wasn't it your descendants' choice to carry whatever they carried? So if you go beyond this physical realm mm -hmm. to the pre-birth people, mm -hmm. they would certainly say that. And that resonates with me. Mm -hmm. And yet, I would rather have people have an opportunity to come to Earth and enjoy being here without having to carry sludge sure. yeah. that I didn't have the courage to face. You know, uh, it's pointing it out to me in a way that, I, like when I hold that little boy, it points it out to me in a way that I can't or don't even want to ignore anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, there's something more important than me being comfortable all the time. Oh, yeah. And, and if you kind of go with the premise that we do choose our parents, which I think we do, uh, all the evidence I've seen, then you could get to the idea that your children, your kids, they... They wanted to learn whatever they needed to learn to do, whatever they needed to do, and, and it's all good. I mean, I know this seems, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm, I, I'm comforted by that level. I'm comforted by the things you're saying. Mm -hmm. I, I spend a lot of time listening to pre-birth people and near-death experience people. I, I like hearing what they have to say. Christian Sunberg's audio book is on almost every night when I go to sleep. Uh, it's just so complete. It, the book is called The Walk in the Physical, and it's free. It's a free audio book. And I've never heard a more complete explanation of the process of coming from the realm of complete unconditional love and agreeing to come down and be in these physical constraints mm -hmm. uh, for the purposes of expansion of joy in all of creation. That's the purpose. Yeah. Um, 
and everybody who comes here is courageous. This is a tough school, um, as they would say. Yes, you is. don't you don't come to Earth. You know, this is not like going to the spa and getting your nails done. This is <laughs> like uh, this is more like boot camp. Uh, you and I were talking about that before the show. Um, this is more like boot camp than uh, than that. And it's to to paraphrase it, Christian Sunberg would say that we come here to Earth. And, and, and Defending Your Life, the movie, said the same thing. There is a cloud of fear just in the air around Earth. And fear is the easy choice to go with. To avoid fear. The choice to avoid fear. But whenever anybody on Earth chooses to move toward love, rather than choosing to run away from fear the whole of creation expands and becomes more joyous that's not an easy thing to do here it's easy to get caught into running from the fear and staying in that our whole life oh yeah Daniel brinkley who had three near-death experiences and was by his own admission a nasty jackass of a person. Um, he went into the Marines and prayed for war every night because he wanted to kill people, Whoa. not because he believed in anything. He just wanted to kill people. And when, he, uh, when the war was over, he was really sad. And so he signed up to be somebody who tortured people for interrogations or intelligence agencies uh, because he liked hurting people and not because he loved his country. And when he was killed by a lightning bolt to the side of the head, he was dead for 28 minutes and went up and had what he, what's called a panoramic life review. And it's, it's where a, the description is a person gets to see everything they've ever done and then they get to be inside of the bodies of the people they did it to or with. And they get to see how it felt to be on the receiving end. And he said, as dark as all of that was, when there would come a small moment when he would do something like open the door at the grocery store for uh, a person who was having trouble or needed help getting through the door the whole process would slow down and these angelic beings would sing and rejoice because there was a choice toward love rather than a choice of running away from fear. Yeah, that's beautiful, yeah. And, yeah, and it was just so powerful when even a small thing like that could happen in the midst of a, a horrid life, you know, by any standards. And, um so yeah, choosing love over fear. And so what would that be like, you know, with the thyroid condition? Well, we'd sit down with the M-Wave, the heart biofeedback monitor. We would do personal timelines. We would draw a family tree and we would follow Scott's heart biofeedback and his heart biofeedback would tell us the important story and the feelings underneath the story. 
that got the thyroid to behave that way. It's actually trying to express something that's going to be balancing and good, not only for Scott, but for the entire family system. For everybody, all souls, really, just, yeah. Yeah, and beyond that. I, I don't go beyond that in the work I do, but uh -huh. yeah, you're right. It would just continually ripple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's somewhere in there where the thyroid is trying to choose love and not run away from fear. Every organ in the body rejoices when they get a chance to do that. Yeah. I've worked with this idea of fear, you know, going back to whatever, losing a job or the IRS thing. Remember that one? That was a big one. You know, fear of going to jail. Yeah. You know, that, oh, that, yeah. That'll get you, man. <laughs> Looking at yourself yeah. in an orange jumpsuit, boy. I mean, you know, you, you yeah. talk about, you know, having skin in the game to understand how not to be afraid of that. You know, and I found that the only, you know, I... I, I found the way I worked with it was exactly what you were saying. I just figured out a way how to go into it and deep, deep into it and just look at it and say, okay, well, what's this about? And, you know, could this possibly happen? And how, if I trust God, will it not happen? And just contemplate on that. And I did that for months until I, you know, until I figured it out. And it's tough yeah. because, you know, right in that moment, you can feel all of the fear. You know, you can feel how it feels like to go yeah. to jail. You can feel like it feels like to go to jail yeah. and have to give doodle to somebody, you know, and all, yeah. the, all yeah. the loose particles. I mean, it's like, whoa, I can talk about it now, but I, you know, it's hard to talk about it back then, but you need to talk about yeah. it, right? You need to, to love it, to love every inch of it, every inch of it. That was a big one for me, man. Yeah, that is a big one. That is a big one. 